How do we discern what God is calling us to do with our lives? How do we discern who it is that Christ is, is molding us or shaping us to be in this present moment? This week's theme is discernment. Last Sunday's worship service got us started with some pretty big questions. And so we thought this week it would be helpful to share a podcast that was first recorded back in April of 2017. Mary Jo Daly sat down with Art Wright for an evening of story sharing and testifying, and we thought that this story in particular would be not only insightful, but also inspiring. Thank you to Mary Jo for her willingness to share it and to Art for his willingness to facilitate the collection of the testimony. Thanks for listening. several years because I'm a student at uh, seminary. Um, my life story, the, there's, there's the uncut version and then there's the, the, the short version. And I guess I'm just going to go ahead with the uncut. Up to you. All right. All righty then. That, uh, seldom people that know me say it's up to me. They usually put restrictions around me, so I'm, I'm pretty good with that. Um, I was born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which when I was born there was a, an army installation and part of the Manhattan Project to build the, uh, the atomic bomb. Um, so there were, there were more PhDs per square mile in my hometown than any other place on the globe when I was there. Um, but I was there after World War II. Long after, but it, very long after World War II, um, and uh, but I'm a baby boomer, so that it wasn't that long after World War II, um, and I was born into a home where my father had been in World War II. He was an alcoholic. He was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was not a very pleasant place to grow up. He was very abusive in just about every way you can think of. If you've seen it or heard of it, that was my dad. So um, one of the best ways to get out of that house was to go to the Baptist church that was a block away. Could go there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, and the people there were sweet to me. It was the first place that I met adult males who were not scary, who, who were safe for me to be around, who I felt safe around. Um, it 
was a place where I could be taught what was appropriate behavior and what was inappropriate behavior. Um, and th those people just loved on me. They, in the 70s, they affirmed my call to full-time Christian ministry, which was unheard of. And pretty much at that point was you either marry a minister or you go to Africa. Those were my two options. So I start with the support of that church. I started my freshman year at Carson Newman College, met a ministerial student, was married before my sophomore year, um, mm -hmm, 19, 18, wow. not in 1918. I, mean, <laughs> I was 18. He was 19. Okay. And I soon turned 19. Um, and for the remainder of my Carson Newman education, I grad, we both graduated from there. Uh, we went on. I worked while he went to Southeastern Seminary. So I was a minister's wife for about 20 years um, until his expiration date came up and he decided to run off with the church secretary and it was, yeah, I know, I know it is, it, yes, and it is okay to laugh because, because he did that, God was able to move Tom, who's not here, into my life and I tell you, if I'd known how good plan B was going to be, I wouldn't have tried so hard to keep plan A going. Um, he's just, he's just a delight to me. And we've now been married 20 years. So, uh, that's just, I, podcast people can't see my face, but this is the face I make every time I talk about Tom. Um, I'm smiling. I'm smiling a lot, very bigly. Um, and, uh, Part of the time that I was um, in the preacher's wife role, and for the since about 1986, and it goes back to even earlier than that, I've been in and out of education. Um, I taught elementary school, and then I taught um, English as a second second language. And then I taught Earth and Space Science. That's my most recent gig. In um, 2008, I had to quit teaching because, because of something that they could not diagnose. I was falling down. I was losing uh, perception in my arms and legs. I couldn't read for very long. Um, turns out I had myasthenia and still have myasthenia gravis which is um, a disease that, an autoimmune disease that affects younger women and older men. They still put me in the younger women category, which makes, also makes me very happy. Um, and teaching full time was just not an option for me anymore. And oh, I grieved. I loved it so much. Um, and so I kept saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? Silence. Silence on the other end of the phone. And I knew he wanted me to do something because I was still on the planet. There was something he had for me to do. Um, and while I'm seeking this out, 
I have an operation to remove my thymus gland, which is can sometimes be a culprit in myasthenia gravis. That helped a bunch. My myasthenia improved. Um, I had breast cancer. Thought that um, ended up have to, having to have a double mastectomy. And after those things were over, the Lord said, "Go to seminary." It was just sort of an idea I was started out playing with in my head. And then a friend of mine said, well, maybe you ought to go to seminary. And I'm like, funny you should say that. I was just playing with that, that idea in my head. Then I was getting my hair cut. The woman in the other seat happened to be on the faculty of the Presbyterian Seminary. And the gal that was cutting my hair and I were just chatting about, she had been through all the chemo stuff with me. And uh, the woman in the other chair said, you ought to go to seminary. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe I ought to go to seminary. And then when I started asking God, okay, what do you want me to do with this? Seminary. Silence. Um, I have loved every minute of it. I've had two, three semesters with Dr. Wright. No. And a major. Three semesters and a major. Um, and I, um, I hate to give it up. I hate to be finished. Um, I'm still going to lack one class this spring. And uh, so I'm taking that in the summer, and then I'm doing my internship in the fall. And I'm doing my internship with Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Virginia. And it's like... Don't tell them this. <laughs> Mark Snipes, if you listen to this, you hear nothing. It's like, yeah, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Um, it may turn out to be another avenue than CBF, but it's like, yes, I want to work with churches. I want to help churches vision and dream dreams um, and help them get there. So, um, unless I've forgotten something. Oh, the Tom story. The Tom story is really good. Yes. That's sort of the unabridged version. Um, after my first husband, I'd found out about the affair. I was still trying to make the marriage work, and he kept saying, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. It's just a matter of when I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Um, he did a wedding for my best friend, and I was her matron of honor, and her her groom, his best man was Tom. <laughs> so my husband, my current, my first husband was performing the ceremony, and that was really how Tom and I met. So it was just like God saying, "Here, I want you two to meet." And the next week, my first husband was gone. Yeah, it was crazy, but crazy. It, it used to hurt to tell that story, but now it has such a good ending that it's like, awesome. You feel like you made out well. I made out well, and he just uh, broke up with his third wife. So I'm sorry. He'll never hear this. And, and I am sorry about that, but it does vindicate me somewhat. <laughs> Back to you, Art. Okay. 
Thanks, Mary Jo. It's amazing. Um, you were you smiling through that whole thing and so talking about some really hard moments, but um, clearly have so much joy and so much peace at um, uh, come, you know, come what has happened. Um, so um, I wonder, so you talked a little bit in the beginning about um, uh, landing in church because it was a safe place. Have there been sort of um, significant turning points in your faith along the way? Um, whether that's, um, you know, moments where you've come to understand God in a different way or a new way. Uh, I don't know. Did you, like, make a decision at some point to get baptized? Do you want to, like, can you go a little bit more into sort of, like, journey of faith side of things? Um. As I was attending this church, of course, it was a, a Southern Baptist church, and we would have revival, and we would have Bible school. And uh, when I was eight, uh, during Bible school, I made a profession of faith. And when the pastor came to visit my house, my father said, absolutely not. Um, and berated me about it. Oh, you join anything if somebody asks you, and... Um, so I put that on the back burner. There was nothing I could do about it. Jesus knew that. God knew that. My church knew that. Um, and then when I was, when I was 15 and I kept going to church and, but then it was more like a, almost like, I'll show you daddy. This is not something I did on a whim. This is who I am. Um, so he may have done me a favor in doing that. I don't, that certainly wasn't his intention, I don't think, but the Lord used it for that. Um, when I was 15, I went up again at the invitation. I didn't tell my father. I said, don't bother going to my house. You know, I'm 15 years old. I can make this decision. And they packed me up. Um, when I was going to be baptized, my mother, my mother knew what was going on, and she said, uh, do you want to tell your dad? And I said, why should I? She said, he might want to go. So I, I told him as I was walking out the door, I said, Dad, I'm going to get baptized. And he said, all right, see you later. Um, but it turns out that after, after my mother died, she had made a box for me, a box for my sister, and a box for my brother. And in the box for me were the letters that my father had written her when he was, had just been drafted, when he was still in the United States, and when he went to Germany. I had never met that man. And I could see that that was the reason my mother had stayed with him. She was expecting that guy to come back. She wanted me, after she was gone, the letters were very personal. She wanted me to have them so I would know what kind of person he used to be. Um, and that went a long way toward helping me forgive him. He, he was sick and he was broken. Um, and now I just feel sadness for him. Um, so that was the time when I said, Dadgummit, this is, who I, this is who I am and this is what I want to be. Um, when 
I was doing the preacher's wife stint, and my husband was at Southeastern Seminary. I got to be um, secretary to the faculty. And at that point in time, they would do dictation, and then we would listen on little earphones from the tape and, uh, and type out what they had to say. So I typed lectures out and letters out for some of the, the greatest people theologically and like personality. Part one for you, right? Yes, yeah. It was like, this is seminary, and you get to taste of it, too. Um, and I got to know those people and to love those people. Um, and that was, that was another step. It was like when I helped set up Southeastern's, uh, doctor of ministry program and, uh, the faculty member who was heading it up, I had given all the candidates, um, a sort of entrance exam and he comes walking into the office shaking his head. And I said, what's wrong, Dr. Richardson? And he said, it's going to be pr a pretty bad day when your secretary beats all of the candidates on the entrance exam. And I'm like, yeah. He saw it as a sad thing, but I saw it like, well, yeah, I got what it takes. Um, and then one day. My husband came home, and this was the first place he'd ever been a the pastor. Um, and I said, you know, I miss talking about God with you. And he said, I have to talk about God all day long. I don't want to talk about it when I get home. And a flip, a flip switched in me, <laughs> a switch flipped. And it was like, if my children are going to know anything about God, it's going to have to come from me. If I'm going to grow anymore, it's going to have to be because I decide to. And, and we pretty much, our paths diverged spiritually. You know, I'm hanging out with anybody I can hang out to get fed. Um, and he's leading the church to his vision of what a church should be, and I read in Bonhoeffer this week that that's the best way to kill a church. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's been a very intentional thing for me. Um, it's been pretty much like the balls in my court to get my relationship with God, and now um, going to seminary, it's been like, what? The ball's not in my court anymore. I've got people that want to give me what they've got, and I want to learn what they have. Um, so, and, and that's just been wonderful. It's been awesome. Um, the church I was in previous to um, Tabernacle um, was, oh, I felt so at home there. Felt so comfortable there. Um, and some of my dearest friends are there. But little by little, there was a, a theological disconnect between me and the pastor, between Tom and the pastor. And though we love him and he loves us, we didn't, we weren't lining up anymore. Um, so we thought, well, well let's, let's try another church. 
So we were looking at CBF churches, and we saw Tabernacle, and we saw the the Burmese population, and the and read about your book of reports and everything that y'all done, and I already knew people that were members here. Um, and it was like, well, let's let's try Tabernacle one Sunday, and we did, and that was it. Sunday, do you remember, which, do you remember what Sunday it was, or? It was the first, the not really first Sunday of Epiphany. It was uh, it was the day they gave out stars, star words. Perfect. <laughs> yes, it was perfect. It was like this is where you belong. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Do you remember what your word is? Of course you do. Yes. My word is compassion, whether I like it or not. <laughs> and my husband's word was um, discipline, which I liked for him to have a lot. I, I'm, I'm glad that's his word. But now I have to have compassion when he's undisciplined. And it's it has really worked. I mean, so far this year they have been... we. Weekly, I'll say compassion. You'll say discipline. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And we have been thrilled to have you with us ever since. And um, Mary Jo and Tom have been coming to Sunday school um, downstairs in the community room and have been a tremendous addition to that class. So we have been thrilled that y'all have been here. Um, so I'm wondering. Uh, well, just an observation how intentional you've had to be along the way um, with your own spiritual life. Like, you had to make the decision to go to church. You had to make the decision to pursue spiritual growth uh, and so forth. And now you say all of a sudden now you're in seminary and being nourished you know, from on high, right? Um, although you had to make the choice to, to, to go there yourself. So... Um, uh, anyway, just an observation. Uh, so you say it was sort of interesting. You said um, uh, first husband, not really interested in having conversations about faith. Um, now uh, married to Tom, who you love and adore. Uh, how have you and Tom um, sort of uh, become people of faith together? Can you tell us a little bit about like um, what that looks like? As do you do you all talk about faith in the home? Uh, how have you negotiated? Um, uh, maybe we can say call together. Was he supportive, cheering you on as you decided to go to seminary? Um, is there a give and take there? Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, when my first husband left, I made a list of 36 things that I wanted if I was ever in a relationship again. That man had to meet these 36 criteria. <laughs> And I went out with Tom a time or two, and he met all but one. And that one was, he, you know, he wasn't as into church as I was into church. You know, he was kind of like, he was raised Catholic. I love me some Catholics, but he was not practicing Catholic. Um, he had been out of church for a long time. And um, so I was like, this, you know, that's the biggie. That's number one. And, and he's meeting 35, but not number one. You're like, God, why would you throw this man into my path? Um, then word filters back from a friend. Hey, 
Tom would like you to ask him to go to church with you. This is in your dating? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I said, Tom, would you like to go to church with me? And he said, yeah, I would. <laughs> and um, went to church with me, started going to Sunday school with me. Year passed. We got married in that church. Um, and he, he says that, and I've asked him per, for permission to share this, that he always felt a little anxious like, okay, these people are part of a club, and I'm not part of it. A um, little bit like an outsider. And one day, the children's sermon was on anxiety. And they spelled out, every kid had a letter, they spelled out anxiety, and... It was explained to them what anxiety was and yada, yada, yada on a, on a kid's level. And Tom was thinking, yeah, I, I know that word. <laughs> That's what I feel every time I come here. Um, and then, lo and behold, the, I'm sorry, the, um, the pastor and the person doing the children's sermon had gotten together and the sermon was on anxiety. So, um, by the end of the sermon, Tom was, I was in the choir loft, and Tom was, said he was just like, you know, it just been somebody punching him with it the whole time. And he said, he said, I said to myself, okay, God, what do you want me to do? He said, in the minute I said that, I felt a relief. I felt a burden off my shoulders. He said, so apparently, that was what God wanted me to do, <laughs> to talk to him, to, to ask him about it. And from that time on, he has been just avidly, you know, in Sunday school, trying to learn as much as he can learn. Um, when, uh, and he, he joined our church. Um, I would say much to his mother's chagrin, but I think she was just happy he was going to church somewhere. Um, and uh, when I started talking about seminary, he was like, yeah, that's great, but how much does it cost? And I was like, well, Tom, it costs a whole lot, a whole lot, and it re a really whole lot. Um, then I went to what BTSR calls preview days, and I said, you know, maybe I can do this certificate course because we don't have a whole lot of money, because at that point, I was pretty much unemployed. Um, they were just trying to get my health back up, and uh, the admissions person at that time, Tiffany Pittman, said, don't worry about money. If you're supposed to come, the money will be here. <laughs> and I'm finishing up, and it's been scholarships and grants and teacher's assistant positions, and I've gotten money back every year <laughs> to pay. You know, it was the part of the, part of the scholarship or grant that was supposed to go to um, housing and that actually went to 
housing and bills. Um, and he, he said this afternoon, he said, you know, the whole seminary thing, and he just shook his head. It was like, you know, if, if you weren't a believer before that, that would make you a believer. That's an amazing story. And it says a lot about sort of like stepping out in faith, you know, God will provide and then trusting that God will provide. And lo and behold, God did provide. So Sterling does a lot in sermons. And so I always smirk when someone says, lo and behold, I snuck it in my sermon this past Sunday just for, just for Sterling. Yeah. So that's an amazing story. And so, um, yeah, so you have been on this journey of faith together, you and Tom, evidently every step of the way now. So that's amazing. And he has supported you in seminary. And uh, uh, so that's, a, that's amazing. Um, so, um, have, so, so, so many different questions we could ask. Uh, and this, so I don't even know if this question is fair. Um, so you've landed at Tabernacle. You've been here for three months now-ish. Maybe not even three full months, but um, are there ways in which Tabernacle has challenged you two in your faith, or you find um, that you've grown in um, some new way, uh, or been stretched or pushed, or are wrestling in new ways? How has Tabernacle encouraged you or, um, or advanced your spiritual journey, if at all, recognizing you've only been here for three months? Um, as I said, my former church was very comfortable. I, I knew I was loved, um, which it was an important thing to me. Um, um, the way I grew up, the way my first marriage ended, uh, I didn't always feel so loved. Um, but between Tom and that church, I had been nurtured in that and, and felt loved. Um, so it was hard to go, but there was this burr under my saddle and under Tom's saddle that we needed to move. Um, we were the the subject that was in discernment the day we came here. Can I say it out loud? Is this on a podcast? Other people were going to hear this. The, the LGBTQ issue was the was the thing that we could not come see eye to eye on with our pastor. Um, I have, I don't know how many friends that are gay. Tom has a brother who's gay. We wanted to come somewhere where he could say to his brother, come to church with me, and that his brother would be welcome. He certainly, you know, the Catholic church would welcome him to come, but they wouldn't really welcome him. Uh, the church we were in would, sure, he could come to services, but they would not welcome him. And our first Sunday here, that was a Sunday that you all sat around in tables. That was the Sunday that Sterling from the pulpit said, if you're a visitor, you're welcome to come to the business meeting. I mean, how crazy is that? We thought, well, you know, if you want to see how a congregation operates, go to the business meeting. And um, um, Julie Gaines Walton was sitting behind me, and um, 
whom I knew, and she told me what it was about. And Tom and I both just about dropped our teeth. It was like, oh my goodness, this is the reason we're we're leaving one congregation, and this is where this congregation is. And that pretty much sealed the deal for us right then. The fact that you would sit in discernment with that um, and not just have a, okay, all in favor. Um, that's awesome. That That's how I believe church ought to be done. Um, so... This church is not cozy, wonderful, comfortable to me yet. I don't, Sunday morning, I look around, there's a lot of people I don't know. <laughs> there's most of the people I don't know. And uh, so that, I realize that's going to take a while. And uh, I'm kind of an introvert. I, you can't tell, put a microphone in my hand or put me on a stage and I'm not. But uh put me in a big group of people, and I am. Tom and I are both sort of introverted. We'll be talking to each other, but we won't be talking to somebody else. Um, so, in that way, I'm being stretched. We joined a small group on Thursday nights with people mostly that I didn't know, um, and that Tom didn't know, but we, you know, we did it, and it's all right. No, they haven't eaten us yet. Um, and, uh, in Sunday school, we thought, mm, everybody in this class is so much younger than we are. And it doesn't matter because we're getting our needs met in that Sunday school class. We're studying the Bible from somebody who ostensibly knows what it says. Um, and uh, so I'm getting stretched that way. I'm doing serious study with people who are not in seminary, with people who are that's their Sunday school class and it's our Sunday school class. So, so that's a good, that's a good thing. Um, Sterling sent an email out to church leaders for volunteers on Monday, Thursday and, and good Friday. He sent it to me and I'm like, I've only been there three months. I'm not a leader of your church, but I didn't question it. I questioned it in my head, but I, no, I'm responding to this. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Um, and that was like, oh, this feels so good because I wasn't in that sort of position at my old church, my former church. They loved me, but mm, maybe not that much. We'll let you be a deacon, but that's all. Um, yeah, if you do anything else, we have to have a staff member with you <laughs> at all times. Right, right, right. It was great. It's great. I love it. Yeah. I'm being trusted from people who I have not had to prove myself to. It's awesome. That's a gift. That's a gift. Uh, and so Monday, Thursday, table leadership. Um, we sit around. T and foot washer. Oh, and foot washer. Fantastic. <laughs> you get to, you'll get you get to know this congregation in a whole new light <laughs> by washing their feet. <laughs> That's right. I won't know their faces. But you'll know them by feet. <laughs> I know you. Take your shoes off. <laughs> 
That's fantastic. You know, um, well, you said it is uncomfortable sort of to sit in a congregation and not know everyone yet. And um, I think, you know, there was a day and a time, 10 or 13, what is today, Sterling's 13th anniversary? 13 years ago, I think, when Sterling came, everyone would have seen you walking in the door, and you can correct me if I'm wrong if you've been here for 13 years. Um, 13 years ago, someone would have seen you walking in and said, aha, a visitor. Uh, now we have so many people that are coming through the doors, it's hard to sort of um, identify everyone who's visiting or who's, who's new. And then there's so many people that are new-ish, like you, you don't know who's new because you don't know who's old, <laughs> right? Um, so this is sort of one of the challenges that we're confronting um, as we grow as a congregation is how do we um, get to know each other on a deeper level? Um, and so... Um, well, I hope now that, you know, that we've put your voice on the internet, that people will get to know you uh, better. Wear those name tags, yes. A good word for name tags. They count for a whole lot. Uh, not only do we throw you in leadership quickly, we also are quick to take pictures of you. Because uh, I know you already have your official your official pictures. So, um, and apparently, it's the best picture that's ever been taken of me. And it's apparently the best picture. Three likes on Facebook. <laughs> it's Mary Jo's um, new Facebook profile picture I saw. So Sterling takes good photos. That's one of the perks of being a member here. Oh, he didn't. Oh, maybe Matt Jones. Maybe. Okay. Big camera. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, let me pause for a minute and see if anyone that's gathered here um, has a question for Mary Jo that um, maybe to like fill in some gaps or anything that you're sort of wondering uh, now that you've heard a little bit about um, her story. I have I have tons of other questions, but um, I don't want to be the only one talking. So, anybody have anything you want to? Anything. You mentioned. So I'll just repeat for podcast listeners. Um, Mary Jo mentioned earlier um, her first husband was doing things that may may have been detrimental to the health of the church. And so the question is, what would you share just a little bit about what you meant by that? As I said, I was reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Life in Community or Life in Fellowship. I can't remember. Um, and to, to paraphrase Bonhoeffer... <laughs> Um, he said that if if you come to community, to Christian community, um, with an idealistic view of what you think community should be, and you try to lead the people into what you think community should be, you're going to end up mad at God, mad at community, and and mad at yourself because God already has a vision of what Christian community should be and we are to live into that vision and he had he had a very set idea leaving seminary of what the church should be and how the church should operate and None of the places he served would do that. Doggone it. They would not do as he knew they should do. Instead of trying to figure out God's vision for that church and leading them into that vision. Is that something you want? Or do you 
question is, is that something he was taught at seminary? I don't know. Um, I think at seminary we learn how to, or at least I've learned, how to interpret scripture, how to, or, or at least given the, the initial shove into how to interpret scripture. Um, but I've never had anything that, or any professor say, this is how you should do anything. So since I was not in classes with him in the late 70s, I don't know whether that was the the gist of what was coming through the pipelines at that time. Knowing the people that taught him, I doubt it. I think that was just kind of how he, how he operated. Um, Mary Jo, I'm wondering if you can um, tell us about your necklace. Uh, I'll describe it briefly. Well, podcast listeners will have to Google St. Bridget's Cross, right? Um, can you tell us, I, I know from conversations we've had in the past that this is meaningful to you. I just wonder if you can tell us a little bit about what it means or what it means to you because it's a unique, it's a cross necklace, but it's a unique cross that most of us haven't, you know, don't see on a regular basis. So, okay. Yeah, you, that was a... That's a setup for me to tell you about my cross. Um, I was looking for a way. Well, let me back up some more. When we entered seminary, when I entered seminary, Dr. Hartman um, teaches a class about exploring your ministerial identity. And from what I've said before, you know that I went to seminary not knowing what on earth I wanted to do. Just God was saying, go to seminary. And... Um, she gave us this test, this inventory about our personality and our gifts, and it was long. It was exhaustive. There was a a, um, a verbal component to it that got sent away, and somebody else would grade the verbal component, and it's big. And, and Tracy said, okay, um, as you're looking at your scores, pay attention to anything that's off the chart, that's off the chart positive or off the chart negative you want to you want to pay attention to those things and i was i was fair to midland on everything except for evangelism i was off the chart on evangelism and uh i said dr hartman um, what does it mean if you're off the chart in evangelism because she had addressed some of the other things about need for uh quiet introversion, that sort of thing. Um, I said, what does it mean if you're off the chart in evangelism? And she thought a minute and she said, um, I don't think you need to worry about that. <laughs> so I haven't. But, but I've gone into it in seminary knowing that that's, that's like a huge part of me. Now I'm an introvert. If you said, okay, we're going to go door to door and do evangelism, I would have said, you're going to go door to door and do evangelism. I'm not going. I'm not walking up to somebody's door that I don't know. Um, and it's the same way with meeting people in public. I'm not going to hand you a tract and say, do you know Jesus? Um, and that's pretty much the only evangelism that I'd ever been exposed to. Um, 
And so this past year, I was taking a course in Christian spirituality led by Dr. Art Wright. And uh, I thought there needs to be a way for me to share who Christ is to me, share my spiritual journey, share something of me and something of God with people I don't know, or even people I do know that I don't usually talk to. I thought, if I could find something to wear that people would ask me questions about, and and my husband grew up in St. Bridget's Catholic Church, so I knew about St. Bridget's Cross. Um, and it was a cross, legend has it, that uh, St. Bridget, who's one of the patron saints of Ireland, um, as her father was on his deathbed, she was sitting beside him, weaving a cross out of weaving materials, I don't know, reeds, we'll say reeds, that sounds good, reeds, and uh, her father said, what are you doing? And that gave her a gateway to say, I'm weaving a cross, and let me tell you about it. So I thought, awesome! You know, it just the story of what, how this cross came to be is an opening into let me tell you about it. Um, so far, it's, <laughs> it's only served its purpose twice, and that's been at seminary. <laughs> so, so I may have to, and now tonight, I've thought about um, maybe getting a Cairo symbol, but that's maybe a little more interesting, might, might catch people's attention. I don't know, but, but that's, this is one way I express my evangelistic tendencies until I figure out all the other ways. Just kidding. <laughs> You need to get a big tattoo somewhere. <laughs> big gold chain. Okay. Um, amazing. That was a total setup. <laughs> no, no. Um, but uh, St. Bridget's Cross podcast listeners, you'll have to Google it. Uh, amazing, unique cross. And Mary Jo, you and Bill Wellstead need to have a conversation sometime because when um, him and Gail shared last year, um, Bill, I remember you have an amazing story about evangelism. Uh, so, I was thinking, we have the same personality. Similar? Very much an introvert, but very much has that attraction. Yeah. I've actually done that. I have to. And not, not comfortable for you, right? Not uncomfortable. Yeah. I think, I think evangelism has sort of become a dirty word um, because we tend to think it's this one one way of doing it that has you know sort of standard back in yeah baptist churches back in the day and so what does it look like for an introvert to have this passionate desire to share good news um uh in a way that's authentic to who they are so yeah good well i'm thrilled that you had a chance to talk about that tonight and maybe someone listening will ask you about it now too yeah um uh, so we're getting close on time. We have about five minutes left. Um, Mary Jo, I wonder if uh, there are ways that we as a church community can help encourage you and Tom in the present. Um, 
I'm, I'm sort of thinking like today forward, so not only the present, but like near future. How can we be praying for you, supporting and encouraging you uh, as you move forward? Yes. Yes. That's what you can do. <laughs> Pray for us, support and encourage us. Um, specifics? I don't know because I really don't know what's around the next corner. I just, I've, God has been around the corners so many times that I know he's around the next one. Um, so just, just for support and, and that we will be wise enough to see God where he is. So sort of like, so you have internship next year, and then we'll presumably graduate from seminary in May of 2018. So this is sort of like a leap of faith again, right? Like walking forward into the future, trusting that God will be leading you along the way. Um, yes, absolutely. We'll pray for that. Um, one of my favorite stories is um, in the Old Testament, the the Israelites, you know, they're coming out of Egypt and they get led by a cloud uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. Uh, you know, they only know where they're going that day. Uh, I think we want to know the 10-year the plan or maybe the 5-year plan or something. Uh, and so how much faith it must have taken. And evidently they didn't trust very much because they um, wandered for 40 years um, and complained. And complained uh, but um, just to know that God will lead you this day, right? And then tomorrow and then the day after that. But we only know where we're going today, I think, is a huge part of what it means to follow faithfully. But we promise to pray for you and trust that God will be leading you. Um, into a bright future. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing this evening. We're grateful. Um, certainly we will also pray um, that uh, as you and Tom continue to settle here, um, now that you're members, it's official, uh, that this place will feel more and more like home, right? Um, that uh, you won't feel like on edge not knowing everybody around you, but, but gradually will get to know more more and more people uh, and then you will be those people that know when someone new walks in the door and then you will walk up into them and say we're so glad you're here <laughs> right that's right yeah <laughs> yeah have we met before so yeah let me see your feet <laughs> fantastic yeah um that's right <laughs> yeah well, thank you so much. Can we pray together as we close? Um, would you like me to pray or would you like to? I would be happy to pray. So let, let's pray. God, for a chance to share stories, um, hear stories, uh, and laugh together and smile and ask questions uh, and get to know one another in a deeper way, we are grateful. God, we see your presence all along the way in Mary Jo's life and in Tom's life. God, it is such a blessing for Mary Jo to share us and give testimony to your presence. And God, we are so blessed and we're so grateful that now our stories intersect. Um, and now we share a common story uh, as we move forward together as a community of faith, bound 
bound up uh, in your love together. God, we pray that you will make your presence abundantly known to Mary Jo and Tom as they move forward together. God, as they walk in faith and wonder what's next uh, beyond seminary, uh, vocationally, as Mary Jo moves into a period of internship with CBF Virginia, wondering what that uh, new phase of life and ministry might look like. God, we pray that you will fill them with trust, that each day you will guide them today, tomorrow, the next day, uh, as they move forward in faith. God, continue to guide us as a church. God, open our eyes to folks who are new as they walk in the doors. Help us to find ways to welcome them, to help them to become connected in meaningful ways to others, to get to know one another in deep ways. Lead us, Lord. It's in your name and your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. Blessings to you all. Thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for questions and comments. Thanks for sharing your names, Charlotte. Um, I wonder if you'll come up and maybe introduce yourselves uh, more formally to, or sit here for a few minutes if you want. If you have to go, it's okay too.